I'm Claire, this is Emily and Claire. Okay! We watched The Boiling Rock and the Southern Readers, and it was actually pretty fun. It was fun. Agreed. It was like, you know, the Southern Water Tribe siblings take their field trips with Zuko. And this is us finishing out our fake bottom four. I AKA. know! They're not our least favorite episodes, but they're just kind of episodes that we wanted to talk about. They're not even bad episodes. Like, our format has just gone down the drain, basically. Mm-hmm. The Boiling Rock. Sokka and Zuko hope to break out the captured invasion force from prison, but have to rethink their escape plan after things go wrong. Here's the thing. I would agree with that, except they say the invasion force when really it's just Hakoda and then Suki, but yeah. Suki wasn't in the invasion. Yeah. Because she was already in the Boiling Rock. No. Yeah. I was thinking, like, yeah, that's a very accurate description and also does not tell us anything about the real episode at all. After watching it, when I hear that description, I'm like, that's not... No. Yeah. I think it's, like, really hard writing these little blurbs because they can't give too much away, you know, but they also have to, I guess, hit the main points of what the episode covers, which Mm -hmm. I guess that's what happens. (laughs) anyway i like this episode because i like i love how Sokka and zuko are kind of similar in that they're both like quite skilled out on the battlefield you know like as warriors but then like they'll turn around and be so stupid when they're posing as guards right and Sokka goes meet back here in an hour when zuko comes back he's like hello there fellow guard (laughs) and they're both always like that like so smart but so stupid and it's really fun to watch i think it also really works that like the way that they come in the rest of the guards just think that they're rookies so they don't even question anything like everything they do they're just like ah rookie and i'm like what is this what this is (laughs) anyway i'm like this is the highest security prison like Mm -hmm. okay i think it's so funny like i don't know who um usually writes because i know that for different shows like different writers will write lines for certain characters so in my brain i just think that someone writes lines for asaka you know is that how Um, it goes like it's not like a writer writes a whole scene a writer will only write like a certain character's lines so i watched that glee podcast watch i listened to the glee podcast Mm -hmm. that um Mm -hmm. jenna ushkowitz and kevin McHale do and they Mm -hmm. talk about how um, for the entirety of season one, it was, like, the creators who wrote the entire season. And then for all of Sue's scenes, it would always be one guy who wrote her lines. Mm. And then the same for, like... Santana's rants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, those kinds of scenes where it would really have to be, like, that cutting wit, you know? They would always I have, see. like, this one guy write those scenes. Well, that makes a little more sense. Like, I feel like a lot of Sokka's character is kind of how he uses his humor and mm-hmm. applies it to different situations. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's... The humor is really good. Like, the way that they introduce um, a guard that is confronting Chit Singh and how he plays into the episode, like, later 
um, mm-hmm. in part two. I think... Which, it, by the way, I did not realize that that was the same... Like, the one that shit sang frames, I did not realize it was the guard that was bullying him at the beginning. I know, right? Also, a lot of the characters, like, have similar designs. Like, all the guards have that little bun on top and, like, some sort of mm-hmm. facial hair. So, yeah, it took me so long to realize... Um, but I also really like how it's like, oh, no firebending. And, like, a lot of stuff is set up in part one that later comes back into play in part two, which I feel like is obvious and just, like, basic writing for a TV show. But I was still <laughs> impressed nonetheless. Yeah. I was like, good job. The writers are doing their job. I'm like, thank you for being writers. Thank you for yeah, doing fast. this. Honestly, more than more than I can say for some shows, you know? Ooh, is that some some shade I detect? Anyway, anyway, honestly, this episode is, or these two episodes, The Boiling Rock, is it's like filled with a lot of kind of legendary Avatar moments that I don't understand why they're legendary. <laughs> Are you only talking about the Zuko thing where he's like in the boiler or not? The, what is he in? The cooler, cooler, the cooler. Yeah, the cooler. That, there's another one too. Oh, that's Rough Buddy. Oh, yeah. And then also, like, I love Zuko more than I fear you. All three of those things, like, I think get way too much hype. Like, I think they're great, but they just get way too much hype. Like, as opposed to, like, that's rough, buddy. What really gets me is, like, the first kind of couple moments of that situation where Zuko finishes, like, firebending and then he realizes, like, oh, shit, like, once I'm done firebending this, like, what do I do? And they're both, like, (laughs) looking around and being like, (laughs) And then them being like, nice clouds. And he's like, yeah, fluffy. Like, that to me is so much better than him being like, that's rough, buddy. But I understand why that's rough, buddy is, like, kind of wrapped up in a neat bow that made it a legend. I don't really like that line because I think the delivery is so weird. Like, yeah. I don't, I feel like what they're going for is, like, that awkward, I am robot, ooh, ooh. It's like, like Ross kind of and Paul Rudd. But the way that Zuko just says it where he's like, that's rough buddy i'm like is this how it was supposed to were they just like yep that take that's that's the that's money the shot one. like <laughs> like why couldn't they have been like uh can you actually do it like one more time you know <laughs> and then like the part when he's in the cooler like have you learned your lesson and he's like <sighs> yes is that I have or something whatever <laughs> i don't know what he says because i don't care about that moment i don't think it's that legendary um i didn't even know it was like a thing until you brought it up one time and i was like this this scene yeah dude people are obsessed with it they're like oh my god you know that one moment where he's like yes i have learned my lesson or whatever oh my god i'm like bro okay like he looks normal it's whatever if anything i think there are way more like sexy moments in the southern raiders with zuko being like we weren't behind that bush. I'm like, oh my god! No, she I wasn't hate behind that line. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of cool. It's like a it's very intense cool. moment, but instead of being like, like missed, like missed me or something, right? Like, no, like, that's even like, worse. Like, we weren't behind that bush. <laughs> You're telling me you would rather have Zuko come out and be like, missed me. <laughs> That's yeah. terrible. Okay, terrible. No no. no, no, no. Okay, maybe not Zuko in that situation, right? But to write a line like that where it's, like, a little more vague, but to explicitly say, like, we weren't behind that bush that you just shot a fireball at, and now the bush is on fire, but we weren't there, so hey. we're not burned. That's what <laughs> Don't it feels do like. him like that. <laughs> he didn't say that. Uh, 
no. Okay. Yeah, and then I said this while we were watching it, but May's line where she's like, I love Zuko more than I fear you is just, it doesn't hit for me the way that I think the writers wanted it to, but I love the line where they're like, what are you doing? And she's like, saving the jerk who dumped me. Yeah, you know what it is? It's like, I feel like the word love is just too powerful, you know? Mm. And like I I don't know it's it's hard for me to think about like Mei and Zuko and them like I don't know their relationship to me just doesn't seem grounded in reality I'm just like they're just two teenagers who are bored so they ended up together just as much as I haven't felt that much like that passionate about Zuko and Mei's relationship it's also pretty apparent to me that like there's nothing really there between Mei and Azula like I never I don't know if I ever thought she feared Azula that much in the drill Tylee's like, damn, like, we gotta, we gotta jump into this gross sludge place. And then May's like, no. <laughs> like, okay. Like, when Ty Lee betrays Azula, it's like, oh shit, like, something seriously changed here, right? Because before she would just do anything. But May was always like, nah, I'm not gonna do that. Azula can shoot all the lightning she wants at me. Peace. Wait, that's actually so true. I am kind of floored. It's... It's it's true, and also I think that's why that line doesn't hit, because I'm like, oh, is this supposed to be shocking that she betrayed you because you're evil? Ooh. I feel like we should put this aside, because okay. I want to talk about it more in depth later. Okay. Okay, I'm just going to have to come right out and say it. I do not care about Hakoda at all. Like, not even <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I care about Hakoda as it pertains to Sokka's life, like, or Sokka's wishes. Mm, yeah, I think out of all of the prison characters that we may meet, for me, it would be, like, Suki at the top, mm-hmm. Chitsang in the middle, and then Hakoda dead last. Like, <laughs> I just do not care about this boring-ass man. That's fair. It's really savage, but okay, whatever. <laughs> It's funny to me that, like, I don't know, they really gas up the Boiling Rock. They're like, it's the most, like, supermax prison in the Fire Nation. It's the middle of, it's in the middle of this volcano. Like, it's gonna be so hard to break out of. And then, literally, Sokka's like, wait, the cooler? Ooh, what about that? And I feel like it only failed because Chitsang is stupid, you know? so silly (laughs) and then later they make it out so easily and i'm like hmm is this person really that hard to break out of yeah seriously wouldn't there be like criminal masterminds in there like mm. Mm. yeah honestly a big reason why i like this episode so much is because of suki being there yeah chef's kiss like i don't know i just keep forgetting that she's in the boiling rock yeah. So whenever they're like, Suki's here, I'm like, oh, I forgot. Oh my god, Suki. <laughs> You're like, it's whoa, great. she is? Yeah, damn. <laughs> it's Suki. That's funny. <laughs> Claire is just cutting her nails and not even looking at me as I talk to her. I feel like it's I'm because I don't have anything wall. to say about part one. Huh. What even happens in part one? What do you mean? We come across Suki, we come across Chit Sang. I like Chit Singh. I think he's a cool guy. Mm. He's like kind of smart, but also kind of dumb. And that's yeah. what I like about him. He's just being normal. 
he's a normal guy, but also he's like he knows how to work things to his advantage. Yeah. Like he's like, yeah, how are you going to get the cooler and stuff like that? Bro, Sokka goes, the only thing we're hatching is an egg? I'm like, you are so dumb. They're so stupid. He came up with such like, a smart plan and he's so dumb. It's like moments like these where I'm like, ah, yes, they really are just kids. Like, they're so mm-hmm. stupid, you know? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about part two. Thank God. (laughs) I love it when the warden calls May in and there's just, like, kind of a lot of, like, complicated things happening between May and Zuko. Like, first of all, first of all, Zuko is so dumb. The entire discussion that May and Zuko has, Zuko, everything that comes out of his mouth, so dumb. He's just dumb. He wants to get beat up by May. He wants to hurt her feelings even more. Oh, so dumb. I don't really understand them as a couple. Yeah. Like, I don't know why she likes him. I don't know why he likes her. Is it because they both hate the world? So they're just like, oh my god, you hate the world too? Oh, but I don't hate you. And it's like, stop. I hate you too. (laughs) I hate this. In the beach, when they're like actively a couple and dating they're so terrible together gross all they do is like argue and fight and i feel like people are like well that's when zuko was going through his angsty phase and i'm like yeah but that's not an excuse to be terrible to your partner yeah yeah honestly like may is basically just being like normal and a little bit awesome in this scene where she's like what the fuck is this like you wrote this letter? This is a terrible letter. And then he's like, no, like, it's for the good of my country. She's like, bitch, what the? He's like, he's like, mate, it's not about you. It's about me and my country or something. She's like, what the? F- you want to fucking die? <laughs> I know. That's him being so stupid. But then later, then the guard comes in. He's like, oh, like, may I'm here to protect you. And she's like, oh, I don't need protecting. He's like, haha, yeah, she doesn't. I'm like, do you want to fucking die? She's going to kill you. He's so yeah. dumb. <laughs> I, I just don't like them as a couple. I just don't really think their personalities match because they're both, like, I feel like Zuko is super hot and May is super cold. Like, even when she's angry, it's not, like, explosive. She's just, like, cutting with her words. And I'm like, no, so sharp, so scary. Yeah. I don't care so much about them as a couple, but, like, whatever, it's fine, they can be together. But then I don't need it to be, like, the central, like, part I'm supposed to get invested in this episode, what, like, the big shocking reveal is that <gasps> she loves him. Nah, I don't see it. I almost wish that their relationship was treated the same way as, like, Sokka and Suki's relationship, Mm -hmm. where I feel like it's really obvious that Sokka and Suki love each other, but they don't have to explicitly say it because they both know it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they're just, like, chill. Yeah, like, why does Mei have to make this big declaration where she's like, I love Zuko more than I fear you. I'm like, okay, sis, we get it. Like, you love him or something? Cool. Basically, they're just telling us something that we already know. So I don't know why Azula is so shocked. Like, she says she's a people person. Bro, shouldn't she have seen this coming? That's just you reiterating the part where May's like, I guess you don't know people as well as you think you do. Oh, forgot about that. But still, Dude, point stands. The line where Azula 
like when she comes in and sees Chit or not Chit saying the guard and she's like oh it wasn't him and he's like what like how do you know that and she goes because I'm a people person oh that is a great line who I think it's like okay that? I think it's awesome because Azula is obviously like a psychopath right and mm-hmm. like like I feel like if you're the warden in that situation like your mind would start bending because you're like wait what the fuck like she's crazy though and she like doesn't does she think she knows people like blah 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 this that and you're like but she doesn't oh my god like it would really start fucking me up you know I think it's like the same sort of fear that I get from knowing that like psychopaths are really charismatic is like really delivered in that line for me I think it's a great line I think it's like cool I think that's the only Azula scene that really, I'm like, yeah, she is. What a bad bitch. Because the rest of the episode, I'm like, damn, Azula, you kind of got played. And, like, everything that happens is just kind of uh, not a good look for Azula. Yeah, I really think this is the beginning of the end for Azula. Yeah. Like, is the reason she falls apart in Sozin's Comet because once... Uh, May and Ty Lee like turned against her she was like wait what and then everything started unraveling she started distrusting everyone you know I'm gonna make an executive decision and I'm gonna say it's mainly Ty Lee that she didn't see coming like May I feel like she always had the sneaking suspicion but Ty Lee that honestly must have fucked her up so bad yeah like, why would Ty Lee choose May over Azula? Like, any way that you think about it, if especially if you're from Azula's perspective, but any way that you think about it, it doesn't make sense, like, the stats when you, like, look at them on paper, why you would choose May over Azula. And then, so I think, like, since Azula only thinks about that sort of thing, like, the stats part of it, like, oh, I have the prestige, I am stronger, I am whatever, whatever, like, she must be like, what, like, why? Like, why, though? Why? Why? But then if you're, like, anyone except Azula, you're like, well, obviously it's because May is nicer. <laughs> but May's actually so mean to Ty Lee. Yeah, that's pretty like, true. Like, they're both so cruel to Ty Lee because I just think that they don't see her as an equal. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I feel like Ty Lee is supposed to be a really strong female character in Avatar. But then it's, like, every other female character just like bashes her for being who she is and it doesn't really make sense not to be that person who always brings up Korra (laughs) but when she's first introduced to Asami she instantly dislikes her because she sees her as like a romantic rival you know Mm. but in addition to that, Cora kind of sees her as, like, inferior because she's, like, this beautiful rich girl. Mm-hmm. She even says it point blank. She's like, yeah, I just thought you were, like, a prissy rich girl. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Asami only really kind of gains Cora's favor once she takes Cora around the In racetrack. Cora. And yeah. then it's like, she's like, wow, Asami drives a car. And she's, like, not afraid of danger and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and that's what causes Korra to see her in a different light which is like so kind of annoying you know it's like oh Asami had to prove herself that she's not just a girl who likes makeup and boys and Mm -hmm. finally Korra can see her as someone worthy of like being her friend like Mm -hmm. I think that's something that happens again in this show where it's like um you know how, like, in the beginning, Sokka was, like, a misogynist, and he mm-hmm. was, like, ugh, women, you know? Mm-hmm. 
I feel like when he's introduced to Suki, it's like Suki also has to prove that girls can fight too. Girls are strong. It's just a weird relationship with like that I have with the female characters in Atla and just like mm. the universe. Yeah, I like agree that it's kind of annoying, especially like when you're saying like, oh, it's annoying that Asabi has to prove herself to Clara. I agree. But it's also pretty realistic. Like, I'm not so angry that they, I have no really negative feelings about them putting it in. But then it makes me worry a little bit about, like, are they trying to say to us, like, okay, now you can like Suki because Suki's strong. Or are they being like, Sokka should have known all along, Suki doesn't really have to prove herself. Isn't this kind of annoying? But also this is how it happens. That's why I think, like, Avatar does it slightly better, where it's more kind of like what you were saying, where, well, Suki didn't have to prove herself, like, she's strong, and she's, like, a girl, and those two things, like, can exist separately, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, she's strong for a girl, Mm -hmm. she's just, like, a strong person girl. Anyways, but with Korra, it really does annoy me, because Korra is the main character, so Mm -hmm. you're kind of supposed to side with her on Mm. most things like you're supposed to root for her and therefore like you want to see her succeed so when you're introduced to someone who is her romantic rival because in season one Mm -hmm. like Korra and Mako end up together Mm -hmm. it's kind of like oh we don't like Asami right but then oh Asami and Korra are now friends because Asami proved to be someone who is not just into makeup and boys like I feel like the show is telling you okay now we like Asami because she can do more things than just be a girl. She's strong. And I'm mm. like, what? Is this the message? I really like the line in Atlo when, when Sokka's like, I'm sorry, like, I thought you were just a girl, but actually you're a warrior. And she's like, I am a warrior, but I'm a girl too. Except I hate how, like, her being a girl is, like, tied in with her, like, kissing Sokka. I'm like, oh, is that what it yeah. is to be a girl? But anyway, taking the kiss part out, her being like, him being like, oh, I learned like this, this. And she's like, no, that's still not right. <laughs> like, I think that another thing too is that why is it when there's like a girl involved in a friendship, it's always like she has to either end up with like one of the two boys, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it happened in Harry Potter, mm-hmm. it happened in Percy Jackson, and I guess it's happening here because. Like, a huge thing was, oh, is Katara going to end up with Aang or Zuko, you know? Mm. When it's, like, I I would so much rather, like, prefer it be that, I don't know, they just fight together and that's the main focus. Mm. Just special shout-out to, like, Suki capturing the warden. That's just, like, that should be a legendary moment. Like, that was so I sick. think it is legendary, but I don't see it in memes as much as, like, that's rough, buddy, and, like, the, yeah, I've learned my lesson. But, like, bro, when she, like, first of all, the thing she does doesn't make sense. She she scales a metal wall, like, with her fingertips. But, like, whatever, whatever, okay, well, you know, whatever. When she goes up to the warden and then it's like, you wouldn't dare. Oh, that part's mm-hmm. so good. That line where she's like, sorry, warden, you're my prisoner now. I'm like, Suki must have been waiting so long to finally be able to say this. Yeah, seriously. Poor Suki was there for months, right? Hakoda literally got busted out, like, the day he arrived. I know. (laughs) I really like Suki. I think she's, like... I, I know that I think Yue is best girl, but 
if I if I really have to think about it critically, Suki is best girl. Suki's awesome. Why do people like hype up Avatar Kiyoshi when Suki exists? Facts, yeah. But anyways, I also really like in the Boiling Rock. <laughs> it, like the whole prison escape thing where it's like how do we start a riot and Shitsang <laughs> is like please and he's like picks up a guy and he's like hey riot, riot. <laughs> so funny that's funny yeah I think it's so stupid when um, Sokka's like oh you mean you don't recognize me and Sugi's like bitch what the fuck like I'll kill you he's like trying to do the cute thing that she did to him when they were taking the ferry but like at that point she was dressed like a earth kingdom girl and he's just as like a prison guard like stupid he's stupid and how can she recognize you when only like your mouth is visible like Sokka I feel like we didn't say anything but I have said everything I need to say yeah I mean the only thing of value to me is probably mm, Tylee's betrayal and suki being awesome mm-hmm. i agree because and honestly, zuko and Sokka being friends um so okay i know we already kind of briefly touched upon this but when may betrays azula well first of all the thing that starts it is her like shooting her finger knives mm-hmm. and azula being like what is she doing mm-hmm. you know but I really like in that scene where she kind of turns and she makes eye contact with Zuko. Mm-hmm. It, and Zuko's kind of like shocked that she still cares about him? Question mark. Um, Maybe he's like, how did she escape that trap that I set? <laughs> oh, God. I just think that it's like a really cool scene. Because there's a lot of that in this episode where it's just May and Zuko kind of like looking at each other. And like the focus is Dude. on the words that aren't said, you know? May's eyes when he traps her in the cell are like so scary. Oh my god, poor May, dude. It's just sad. She's like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me right now? And then he just runs away. Oh my god. I like that they just look at each other. That, you can really feel like how like devastated she must be or angry or something. You see it in those eyes. And then she still comes out and she's like, oh my fucking, oh, I have to save him. God damn it. And they're like, what are you doing? She's like, you know what? I don't know. I'm just saving him, okay? I don't know why. Like that's her line being like, saving the jerk who dumped me. That's incredible because like you really feel it. I don't like that. Her whole character is that she doesn't care about anything, you know? She's very much, like, indifferent. But the one thing she cares about is, like, a boy. Hmm? Yeah. This is me being, like, a bitch. I know that I'm being a bitch, but I just... No, but you're right. I, I can't... I can't not be like, hey, what is this? There's no reason for her to not care about stuff that strongly. Like, you know every scene before it where she's like, (sighs) that was boring i'm like what the like why do you have to be like that and then so for her to just randomly be like i love zuko i'm like oh why this i don't know i'm like tylee you really want to betray azula for may when may was so mean to you and like i feel like tylee's such a tragic character because like her backstory that she brings up in the beach where she's like yeah eight of my sisters and they all look identical to me Mm -hmm. 
That's so sad. Mm -hmm. And then it's just brushed off because May is so mean and she's like, oh, like, so you weren't given enough attention. They're just awful friends to Tylee. I wonder though if like, because I think that we're talking about Tylee kind of like betraying Azula as it's like Tylee joins May to betray Azula. But isn't it more, or not isn't it more, but couldn't it be more like she just wanted to stop everyone from getting hurt and she like knows that Azula like wouldn't fucking hesitate so she kind of like puts Azula out of commission. Like I don't know if it's like such a big like Azula versus May and Tylee has to choose one. Which one did she choose and which one did she betray? I would agree, but the f- show like frames it. Like once she does the... P- p- She's like, May, like, come on. Like, almost, like, let's escape together. Right, exactly. And then Azula's reaction is like, oh, you betrayed me. Leave them to rot in prison. And then you're like, oh, damn, okay. But that's why I think it's not, like, okay, I'm not saying that it can't be that. But I feel like the the way that the show frames the confrontation is Tylee is choosing May over Azula and is like, we need to get out of here. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I like, think it could be mm-hmm. such that Tylee's intentions are to kind of just, like, de-escalate and come back to it later, but then the consequences end up being, like, oh, fuck, I chose May. But yeah, I feel like Azula's quick to react in, like, a very specific way that, like, makes sense to me as the beginning of her downfall. I feel like Tylee is also smart enough to know that her, like, choosing to take Azula out of commission, that in itself is already, like, crossing the line. Like, I don't think... Like, Tylee would be like, well, Azula is understanding and knows that I was just trying to break up the fight. Like, I think Tylee kind of knew what she was doing, and that's why I'm so much, like, like, I'm dead set on this belief that she chose to do that to, like, side with May almost. Mm. I don't know. It's interesting, but also it's, like, hard to really say because it's, like, such a quick scene. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like this episode is, like, so much happens, but it's all just nothing. Like Yeah, nothing's very, like, symbolic about it, really. It's just kind of, like, gathering things up before it's time to go into the finale. That's what I think. It's also confusing to me that Sokka is, like, this is my big mission with Zuko. With Sokka, not Sokka, with Zuko and Aang, it's, like, they go on a quest and Aang firebends now. And like when he goes on a quest with Katara, it's like Katara is at peace with herself and her grief or whatever. And then with Sokka, it's just like, yay, I got my dad back and now we're gonna go off again and he's just gonna do something. Which is why I think it's weak. I agree. And like, I think at the beginning they kind of try to make some sort of like beefier meaning like oh like the invasion was my idea and it failed so now i feel responsible blah 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 but the ending is just kind of like yay we got our dad oh my god you guys didn't get any meat lol 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 and chit sings like i knew here yeah and then like i don't know i guess like a really beefy thing does happen obviously the betrayal of azula but then her downfall basically happens off screen until she's like cutting her bangs like we don't see anything (laughs) cutting her bangs (laughs) (laughs) 
And then it's like the show knows that Hakoda doesn't really have any beef, which is why they set up that thing in the Southern Raiders where they get separated. Because they're like, okay, now he needs to go off screen because we don't know what to do with him. <laughs> it's like, and then Katara makes a big deal about it. She's like, no, we just got reunited. We won't let the Fire Nation separate us again. And Hakoda's like, but this time it won't be for long. And she's like, tears. Okay, bye. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. I believe you. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's a good transition yeah. to Southern Raiders. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. So you don't I like Southern Raiders, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I really don't <laughs> like this episode that pointed much. pointed question. <laughs> I, I, I don't like this episode because Katara is so annoying in this and it's just nothing. Like, like I don't... Anyways, um... The Southern Raiders is episode 14 of book 3, and in it, Katara sets out to confront the Fire Nation soldier who killed her mother, but what will she do when she finds him? See, that's like the big question, right? And what does happen when she finds him? Nothing. I am generally fine with this episode. Basically, there was, like, I always thought it was like a pretty decent episode, but maybe not like super solid airtight 10 out of 10 episode and when you and I watched it we we kind of like parsed through some of it and realized why it doesn't really like pack that punch you know we sort of talked about like the 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 yan ra the two yan ra's that we see in this episode are like the yan ra of now he's like an old man who gardens and like goes to the market and then there's the yan ra of the past who's like very evil looking and like there's such a weird difference between those two that it almost feels like you're looking at two different characters and I think that's where like the little loose ends of the episode kind of reside in that the main confrontation moment it's like who is it against like this evil cruel man who like takes pleasure in you know like confronting Kaya in her home and then like killing her or is it like this man who's like, oh, I'm so sad and weak and I don't even, uh, I don't know anything. Ha ha ha, lol. Mm, it's, mm, yeah, so like if we break it down, I think that there's so much riding on finding out kind of really what happened to Katara's mother. It's not like the same for, oh, what happened to Ursa, but like it's obviously affected Katara so much up until this point that it's like kind of I feel like this episode is it, it it really has a lot riding on it for us to see Katara kind of like deal with her grief and the fact that when we finally meet Yanra it's kind of like anticlimactic you know that's really why it doesn't really do it for me it's like I think that the build-up is like so much and the actual resolution is so little. You know? Yeah, because the resolution, it's, like, a little too pretty. It's, you know, at the beginning when Zuko's like, okay, like, Mr. Monk will blah, 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 blah. That's kind of what it feels like happens. Like, there, she's like, well, I couldn't do it, blah, blah, blah. And Aang's like, see, forgiving is awesome. It's like, okay. Yeah, but the thing is, she doesn't even forgive him. It's more like she forgives, like, what happens, you know? Mm. 
because she still very much despises this man, mm-hmm. but it's gotten to a point where the image that she's kind of, like, created is, like, that evil Yan ra that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So for her to be confronted with this guy who's, like, the complete opposite, mm-hmm. it's, like, her anger is misdirected because she's, like, so, like, concentrated on that image of him that this guy, it's, like, who is this man, you know? Mm-hmm. This isn't the guy that she set out to kill. So I think that's also a big reason why she says that she, like, can't do it because for him to kill this man who obviously has not been a southern raider for some time it, it it's almost like as if she would have killed that other guy who is like on the ship who wasn't yan ra it's right. like she's killing a different person wow that's beautifully put i think it's interesting that you said that so much was riding on like figuring out what happened to katara's mom when you said so much is riding on i expected you to finish that sentence with so much is riding on yan ra like looking him in the eye and figuring out like in my mind katara is on this quest like why and how and like how could someone do this what kind of person like i need to know i need to know like who he is and like what he might have been thinking and like trying to figure it out and then i feel like she must have been so shocked with like what she saw like basically what you were saying right like for her to build it up in her head and to be met with this person who's not the man he was before or maybe he is the man he was before and she has built a different image of him in her head all of that makes sense so then why does the resolution fall so flat Mm, so when i was talking about like oh so much is riding on like what happened to katara's mom it's like we know that katara's mom died and Mm -hmm. we know that the fire nation killed her Mm -hmm. but like the fire nation is such like a broad thing Mm -hmm. that i think it had to be more of like oh how did she die Mm -hmm. because even when kantara kind of comes across like haru or like other people who have come across tragedy somehow she still sees it as something that's like so personal like the fire nation Mm -hmm. did this to her Mm -hmm. whereas everything that we've come across has showed us the fire nation doesn't really care you know Mm -hmm. it's not personal to them Mm -hmm. so in this episode, when we're kind of shown who Yan ra is, mm-hmm. it's like, like, okay, because with Katara's memories, she sees him, and then she sees her mom, and that's it. And then when she comes back, her mom's gone, the guy's gone. When we see Yan ra and he pieces together the rest of the puzzle, mm-hmm. we see that, like, Katara's mom sacrificed herself, and he's the one who killed her. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I think that that revelation makes it so that we're like, oh, it really is, like, personal, you know? It's like, he made the choice to kind of, like, kill this woman, and he still remembers her, because Katara's like, oh, look at my eyes, and he's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I do remember you, you know? There's all of this, right? There's all this conflict, we know who's the bad guy in this situation, and we totally understand why Katara feels the way that she does, so it makes sense that... It would end in her, I guess, like, you know, doing something equally as bad to him. But the fact that she's like, I, I, I can't do it. It just like feels so weak and like not real. Like, I, I, I do think that it's good that she didn't kill him, you know, mm-hmm. but I think that the explanation is lacking, you know. I think that if she had killed him or done something to him, like. It, it kind of would have fallen apart for me. Like, obviously the right choice is to make her not kill him. But I guess the words that she says after, like, oh, I can't do it. Like, you're so sad. And I always wondered what kind of person, but you're sad and pathetic and blah, blah, blah. 
I guess I'm like not really sure what she's getting at exactly. Like, why can't she do it? Because she says it's like not worth it. Like, she's acting like she's, like, the bigger person. But why does she have to... Because, like, the way that she phrases it, she's like, oh, I used to wonder, like, who could have done such a thing, but now I see that you are you have nothing inside you, you know? Like, you're pathetic and stuff like that. And it seems almost as if she's doing what Aang told her to do, where it's like, she's, like, I don't know, forgiving him almost. But then it's like, she later is like, I don't forgive him. So it's so confusing. She's like, oh, you have to live with what you did? Like, I don't get it, you know? Well, I don't know. I think her, like, even though it's, like, really short and seems silly, like, her doing what Aang told her to do, that makes sense to me. Her being like, it's easy to get revenge, it's hard to forgive, whatever. I think that's fine. But there's something about yeah. it that's, like, weird. I think the main thing is that she doesn't forgive him, you know? So it's like, what does she do besides that? She just leaves him? A common thing in grief to be like, oh, like, it'll never go away. Like, I'll always feel, like, angry toward this or sad about this or, you know, like, the the feelings will never go away, but you just kind of learn to, like, live around them in different ways. So I feel like it all makes sense, but there's something... You know what? Maybe it's because the real resolution of the episode is not there. That's like the climax, right? But the resolution is when she comes back and says all the stuff about Yanra that like pretty much makes sense to me. And then she goes, I'm not forgiving him, but I am ready to forgive you. And then it what ties back into her relationship with Zuko? Like what happened on the trip that would possibly lead to that? It's so strange. Like there was no parallels really between Yanra and Zuko, even though we know that there like maybe was one in her mind. But what changed about her relationship to Yan-Ra that would make her adjust her attitude towards Zuko in the way that she does? That's Nothing. true. It's like Zuko's just a bystander. And it doesn't really make sense that he goes with her, except for the fact that he knows where that, like, the Southern Raiders headquarters are. Yeah, well, I think it makes sense at first because he's like, well, like, Katara sees me as Fire Nation and in her mind fire nation is that entity that took away her mother right so it's like you can see how it'd be misdirected towards zuko and zuko's like well i'm gonna try to like rectify this or like prove myself i guess also his approach is a little weird because at first he's like why this is so unfair and she's like what the are you kidding me and he's like oh okay 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 wait actually how can i win your favor is what i meant to say and then i'm like yeah okay good like that's that's the thing he doesn't really do anything that I guess would make it so that she could forgive him. All he does, it's like, this is why I don't like their relationship because the way that he regains her trust is basically him being like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. I'm going to be your hype man because mm-hmm. I just want you to forgive me, you know? Yeah. He doesn't do anything except push her to do what she wants to do. But mm-hmm. then what does she want to do? Like, that's what I meant when, like, she doesn't forgive him, right? So what she she's just like okay you're a bad man and i almost killed you but i didn't so remember that you know because like when he was saying like oh i was a bad man what i did was like really bad like please forgive me i don't think he truly meant what he was saying he was only saying that because katara was a threat and she was like planning on killing him yeah i don't think he actually actually really understands 
like all the stuff that he did because how else would he be able to make his garden and live with his mom if he thought he truly was like a monster who did all this stuff Mm -hmm. no i think like in that in that confrontation where he's like oh like you're right i was so bad haha you take my mom blah blah blah. she's like what the this is not it like this is not it i'm not doing anything i thought maybe i could change the situation if i came here but i realize now that no matter what i do it's fucking stupid like he's never gonna understand like why it was so devastating to me and like i don't care like fuck this right and then she's like all right i'm out so like nothing that's true nothing changed really that's that so much true. in her relationship to the information about her mom right like i guess she was able to look him in the eye and realize like oh sh- seriously i can't change anything you know whereas before she might have been like well there's some there must be something i can do to change something but basically what she realizes is that nothing changes so then why does her relationship to zuko change it doesn't make sense it's also so confusing because like in the episodes before this, she seems fine with Zuko being there, his presence, yeah. you know? And then suddenly she's like, oh, get off of me. I don't like you. You suck because you're Zuko and you betrayed me in the catacombs. Like, yeah. It's a little random. That's another thing. I don't really think Katara needed to forgive Zuko to be able to live with him being there. Yeah. It, it's nice that she forgives him because, yay, now they're all friends and they're all united. You know what, bro, 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 bro. Like, I think it would have been good if, like, okay, maybe not so much. Now I'm losing faith in my idea. But when Katara and Zuko are paired together to fight Azula, I feel like that would be a good point for Katara to be like, I forgive you. And not just because he saved her life, but, like, the actions leading up to that point and I guess him almost dying could be like the catalyst for her being like you know he's a different person like he's Mm. not the same Zuko that I thought he was because I feel like that would because okay the reason why I say this is because them being put together it it's like a lot of people were thinking that that scene had so much emotion mm-hmm. so that when she was like oh you're the one that i should be thinking people were going to be like is this when zutara zutara like gets confirmed but then like nothing just happened she's just like mm-hmm. you're the one i should be thinking and then it's like fade to black <laughs> like i feel like that would be a good place for her to be like oh like i now like forgive you and stuff like that you know yeah Maybe I'm Dude, just oh my god, oh my god, wait, wouldn't it have been so amazing if at the end of this episode, like, she basically expresses to Aang what she learned, like, I looked him in the eye and I realized nothing would change, like, maybe not in so many words, right, but, like, this is the basic idea that she conveys, I looked him in the eye, realized that I can't change anything, it wasn't worth it, like, I, I couldn't get revenge, but I also couldn't forgive him, like, blah blah blah, right? conveys that lesson to Aang and then somehow also conveys to Zuko like what happened in the past happened in the past and I won't take like I won't get revenge on you but I also won't forgive you like I can't forget it and then you're like wait fuck and then she just like walks past Zuko and she's like it is what it is or whatever right oh that'd be so good and then like in the next couple episodes like 
they're kind of just like existing next to each other and Zuko's a little bit like what what okay no I can't think about this gotta focus on Azula and then when he's like I need to fight Azula you don't understand why but he's like well if I had to pick someone Katara please come with me to fight Azula and then like she's like why did I why did he pick me and the audience is like why did he pick her but Zuko's like you know what like I know in my heart that she is the best chance we have at beating Azula like I maybe he knows why maybe he doesn't know why but she just is then they go fight Azula together and then like they kind of forget about whatever is going on like in their sort of like relationship for the moment because they both have the common enemy of Azula and then when Zuko is like you know takes the lightning then Katara's like fuck like maybe I can forgive you oh shit it doesn't always have to be this way yeah but the big important part is that it's not because Zuko risked his life, you know? It has to be all of these events leading up to that and her that being what makes her, like, realize, you know? Mm. Like, I think that um, him sacrificing his life to save hers always used to be, like, so annoying to me because mm. I was like, why couldn't Katara just move out of the way or something, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, like, if if it was framed in, like, that aspect, I would understand why it would have to happen that way because that would have to be what made her realize it. Yeah. Also, I think you're right. It, it You can't conflate the forgiveness with him risking his life. So she has to forgive him and then right after she forgives him... No, but then he can't risk his life because she forgave him. No, I don't know. Something weird, but... But I think it really has to be hammered home that that's not why she forgives him. Right, you know? right. I think that's a great... We... Wow, Ooh. that was great. I like got the chills, <laughs> dude. That would have been a yeah. great ending to the episode of her just like walking past him. But then mm-hmm. I guess we wouldn't have gotten that like really fun punch of Aang being like, see, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then Zuka goes, oh, yeah. So then what are you going to do when you face my father? <gasps> dun, 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 dun. That part's super good. <laughs> That's literally how the episode ends. Yeah. It's like I can picture it being like, to be continued. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that, yeah. So that's basically why I don't really like the Southern Raiders. I mm. Oh, but okay. In addition to that, other reasons why I don't like the Southern Raiders. I think Katara's really mean to Sokka and oh, kind of for no so reason. so mean. And to Aang. Yeah, she's really mean. Like, it's, like, cruel. She's yeah. so cruel. Yeah. And I think Aang, I'm like, it's okay, he's Aang. But, like, for Sokka, it's so cutting what she says to him where she's like, well, you didn't love her the way I did. Yeah. Because, like, when he's like, Katara, I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's really sad. Dude, I do think that's, like, horrible to watch. It's, like, so awful. Um but it, like, makes sense that they put it in there. You know? Like, it's not something that would never happen. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. like, war and grief and all these things do things to people. But it's, like, so crazy that, like, like, Aang and Sokka... Like, Aang is, like, I literally lost my entire people. And, like, you were with me when I lost Appa and, like, all this stuff. And she's, like, nah, fuck you. And then Sokka's, like, we literally have the same mom. And she's, like, nah, fuck you. Like, oh, my God. It's also so sad because... When we were um, watching the episode, you brought up how when in the uh, Siege of the North, when he sees, like, the black snow, he he's, like, so serious, and he's like, oh, I have seen this before. And then we find out, like, where he kind of first yeah. saw it. Dude, like, what he must have been feeling in Siege of the North when he saw that 
like because the last time that happened was like when he lost his mom and in response to that raid was when his dad left too right it's like what it must have meant for him to be like not at home but also in a water tribe like i don't know just like so many things like bro saga is just really holding it together at all times like how is he doing it i don't know it's again that thing where like he kind of has to hold it together for the sake of his sister for the sake of like ang he has to be their rock Mm. in the sense Mm. so he can't really be the one to break down and like have to go and avenge his mother's death and like you know it's really sad and partly because of that it's probably why he can't even remember his mom's face because he had to push that away so he could be Sokka no i'm so So sad sad. yeah it's it's really sad if it's also so sad the way that the series kind of treats Sokka like an afterthought because like i don't know i feel like he's really awesome he's a great leader he's a great brother and then he doesn't really get much in return. He loses his space sword, which why? I know. <laughs> why? And then he's not even alive in Legend of Korra. He's just dead. Yeah, I don't get it. Like why? Because they, they were like, to well, do we don't need sense. Sokka. <laughs> like actually, why? It doesn't make any sense. Did they think that he didn't have any story left to tell? Like I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. It it's really sad. He shows up in a flashback. And then Katara gets, like, so much kind of, like, hype. Mm-hmm. And for what? For bossing Sokka around? Sokka goes, I'm the leader, like, in Jet or something. She's like, oh, you're the leader? Wow, F you. No, Aang should be the leader. <laughs> I'm like, wait. Yeah. Poor Sokka. I know. Yeah. I think um, my last kind of thought is that in both of these episodes, Boiling Rock and in Southern Raiders, it's really fun to see, like, Zuko kind of melding into the group by way of, like, fighting alongside them. Because, like, they all kind of have, like, combat experience and, like, different strategies, like, on the actual battlefield. And, like, when they fight in formation and stuff, it's awesome. Like, no matter you know like what's going on between Katara and Zuko they just like work together well and they like feed off each other when they're like in the moment that's the part of Zuko and Sokka that you're like wow they're awesome that contrasts with them being the dumbest people alive (laughs) yeah this is like so minor but I forgot to bring it up when we were watching the episode but um you know how there's like the scenes of the riot and stuff or just like prisoners fighting each other mm-hmm. i noticed that the way they bend is so similar to like in legend of Korra, where it's a lot of like punches and jazz mm-hmm. and i'm like maybe that's just like street bending yeah. whereas like all the rest of them they like katara was taught by paku you yeah know? and then wow, like that's a great point. zuko's a prince and Aang is 112 years old so i know yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he's an airbending master you yeah. know Wow, that's a great point. Just a thought. Nice. Yeah, man. Um, I don't really have much to say. I think that even though I don't like Southern Raiders, I can appreciate it for what it is. Mm-hmm. AKA Katara learns how to like deal with her grief. Yeah. Does she? Maybe a little bit. Okay. I think she kind of, like, comes to terms with what happens. So she doesn't, like, hold on to it as much as she used to. Right. Like, you know when she's like, I forgive you? I think it's, like, 
important that she says that because she was like, oh, I used to see, like, your face when yeah. I thought about, like, my oh, mom. And he goes, right, my face. Oh, great line. Yeah. So I think it's also, like, I for like I forgive you almost her being, like, I I was wrong for, like, conflating your face with my bigger issues. Yeah, but also I wish she could have just said it like that, like, you know, I'm not going to forgive him, but you are not him. Yeah. She didn't have to be like, but I forgive you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, okay, also, I just want to put in a final thought. I feel like I, d- I did a lot of, like, ripping apart Southern Raiders, but I actually quite like it. I think there are some awesome moments in it. I love when they're, like, mm-hmm. messing with the ink, when she makes the water dome. Obviously, it's very awesome. I just think it's, like, a pretty good episode, but, okay, yeah. It's, like, 90 two percent there for me okay okay if we're gonna do final bring up thoughts another thing i actually really like the way bloodbending is used in this episode and i wish they would have kept it this way where it's like just this super little secret thing that katara sometimes does that people are like what the instead of in legend of korra bloodbending is suddenly a big thing that people just use Bro, it's, like, really scary when she blood bends, and Zuko's eyes do the little, like, slightly widening thing. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't really like how blood bending became, like, a thing. Yeah. Okay, on the topic of blood bending, everyone's saying, like, oh, yeah, blood bending's so powerful, it's awesome, why doesn't Katara use it more? Like, let's just think about that for a hot sec, like, I remember you mentioning to me, like, at the end of Puppet Master, that's, like, horrible to watch her like that and I remember saying something once about how like metal bending top inventing metal bending is like a similar sort of epiphany to Katara um like accidentally learning blood bending and you were like that is so horrible because Toph comes out of it being like yeah I'm awesome and Katara's like suffering you know like it's horrible that's like a skill that she should never have to learn and should never have learned and yeah anyway I just want people to think about that Let's not get over our heads with this whole blood bending thing. That's also why I really like how it's used in this episode because knowing what we know about Katara and blood bending, she's like in that mental state where she can use it. You mm-hmm. know things are fucked. You yeah. Know? Okay, ratings. I would give Boiling Rock mm, 3.8 gondolas out of 5. Oh my god, I forgot to mention this, but Boiling Rock is the opposite of Alcatraz. It's in the middle of a hot lake, and Alcatraz is in the middle of icy cold water. Ice cold. Anyway, and then I would give Southern Raiders like a... Probably like a 3.6... Uh, what is it? Tomato carrots out of 5. What? What are tomato carrots? Isn't his mom like your tomato carrots are too hard for my gums? Oh, I don't know. Um, for my rating, I would say Boiling Rock gets like a three, a three coolers out of five, and Mm, Southern Raiders. I know, I don't know. I think it's like fine. Um, Southern Raiders gets like a three. Yeah, I'm just gonna. Both of them get threes out of fives, but for Southern Raiders, I would say it gets a three lays out of five. Ladies? Lays. Like, Sokka was playing with a lay. 
Oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah, wait, the iconic tent scene. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's funny. That's cute. That that's it. I'm so excited for next week because we're almost done with Atla. We're Ooh, gonna be watching yeah. The Headband and Avatar and Fire Lord. Two nice. episodes I really like. Also very different episodes. Yeah, kind of embarrassing. Like, why are we like this? Okay, see y'all later. Goodbye. <laughs>